You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. If you've ever experienced tragedy, it can be hard enough getting through it, let alone seeing past it to hope on the other side. And if you've experienced more hardship after that, it can feel like you need a personal guide to get through the darkness to see light again. Today on Thrive, Tasha Wilson may be that guide. She experienced so much grief, shame, and fear after being hit with unexpected tragedy as a teenager, but she was able to get from a place of pain to a posture of promise and now helps other women do the same. Today's episode does come with a trigger warning for sexual assault. So if you're feeling more sensitive to the topic today, please feel free to choose a different episode of Thrive. Stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now welcome Tasha. Hello, I'm so happy to be here and so excited to get the conversation started. For sure. I'm so happy and honored to have you on Thrive today. Your story is really an incredible one of pain fueling purpose. And I feel like that is something like that's always on my heart. Anytime I'm going through something painful or seeing a girlfriend go through something and it's such a hard place to get to, to like really come to terms with, okay, this is going to fuel me forward in some way and, and be used for something good at the end of what can feel so completely, totally horrible or tragic or just so painful. Um, so really excited to have you here to share everything you've been through, because I think you're, you're just such a testament to what's possible for people, which can be so hope giving for people who might feel anything but hopeful. Uh, so the floor is yours to share your story. Thank you so much. Um, it's so funny because every time I share my story, I'm like, wow. Um, cause it's like when you're in the moment and you're actually going through the process, you don't realize what things look like once you overcome certain things. And so, uh, for me, um, my life as I knew it always, you know, was transpired by pain. And after a while, I believed that narrative. I just felt like, you know what? I don't deserve happiness. I don't deserve joy because at this point, it seems like everything that I connect myself to ends up hurting me or um, ends up being very painful. And so um, starting off, I was 16. My dad passed away from a tragic work incident. And um, it was something that we could not fathom. It was an explosion. Like, that's not a story you commonly hear. And it was one of those situations where I learned the power of boundaries <laughs> because, you know, growing up in a small community, a lot of people were now in our faces. Um, you know, they're trying to figure out how my mom, my older brother and I were going to navigate life. It was just kind of like they felt that they were entitled to know what would happen because the tragedy was so public. Like, you know, going past the uh, work environment, like the bus driver had to take a detour for me just so I couldn't see it. Um, you know, being on the front page of the news, being in, you know, 
certain local news centers and, and things like that. It was just a lot happening at one time. And at the age of 16, it happened really fast. So I'm trying to figure out and process the fact that the last time I saw my dad was the night before because he would leave very early in the morning. And then I'm trying to figure out, should I be sad? Should I be angry? What am I supposed to do? And then it's like, well, what does life look like now that he's not here? Because I don't know what that feels like. And so dealing with that on top of everyone else, it was a lot. And so then I went to college as a way to escape. A lot of people think that I kind of went because I had good grades which was true, but that's not why I left. I left because I wanted to go somewhere where nobody knew me, nobody knew my backstory. And so for me to get hit um, a year and a half later with the sexual assault, it was just like reliving the pain all over again that I once ran away from. And so, you know, I was sexually assaulted by a guy who we shared mutual friends with. And for me to know that he premeditated it was very disheartening for me. Um, it's like, you just have this plan that this is what you're going to do. Um, if I react this way, you already knew what you were going to do in spite of that. And so that was hard for me to deal with. Um, and honestly, I want to say that's where I had my first hit of depression. Um, I just didn't like myself anymore. I didn't like what I saw. I felt like it was my my fault. Um, I felt like I was responsible for what happened. Um, I felt like, you know, maybe I presented an image for him to think that it was okay. So I went through all of these thoughts of shame, guilt, you name it. Um, every mirror in my apartment, I tore down because I didn't recognize who I was anymore. And um, it was a secret that I carried for a while. Um, and so I'm like in toxic relationships because of it. I feel like, you know, I didn't deserve anything better than that. Um, I just shunned away from everyone. I just felt like I didn't deserve, you know, friendships um, or any type of love or anything that was just positive. I just felt like I deserved to be by myself or in isolation or, you know, accepting the bare minimum with everything else. And so, my demeanor changed. Um, I started wearing big clothes to cover up my body. Um, started, you know, covering my face a lot because I was just embarrassed. Um, I felt like I got another label added to my life. Like the first label was, oh, that's the girl whose father <laughs> passed away. And now I have this label of, oh, that's the girl who was sexually assaulted. And so I just felt like my identity was unwrapped in my experiences. Yeah. And that's, well, first off, thank you for sharing all of that. And I'm already, I, I'm already on the edge of my seat, just listening to all of this because you have clearly now you're, as they say, on the other side and have so many other messages and stories to share there. But now my first thought is like, holy crap, how did you get past all of it? Because it's it, everything you said is, I think so spot on where you were just you're hit and then you're hit and you're trying to break out, but then you're hit again. And I'm sure there's people listening who can relate to that and just feeling like, man, can't I catch a freaking break and really just falling into a depressive spiral? Because at that point, how, how the heck can you not? Because like you said, you were, you were so young and had so much thrust upon you where, wow, to get out of it all 
really must have required so much intention and so much just specific dedication to get out of it. Because if you just would have sat back and let the world hit you, I mean, clearly it was hitting you and it was doing its damnedest to, to keep you down. So what, what came next? Like what, how on earth did you, um, what, at what point did you get to where you were like, you know what, this, this is not who I am and what has to define me. I'm going to do something about this. And how did you get yourself to that point of being a being able and willing to recognize what had happened, but B being able and willing to kind of take ownership of it yourself to do something, to head in a different direction for yourself. Yeah. So the caveat to all of this is that, um, (laughs) even years later, right after the assault and everything like that, um, I was going through the motions. And so, you know how it is when people just kind of look at you from the outside and they think you have it all together and they're like, yeah, you know, nothing has happened to her or, you know, she wouldn't understand anything that I'm dealing with. And I I was pretending, (laughs) you know, I would have all these other accomplishments and and things like, I mean, this is at the point where um, I'm excelling through school. I'm getting these degrees. um, You know, I'm walking around with a smile on my face. I'm showing up for everyone else, but I'm not showing up for me, you know? And it wasn't until I got out of a a bad relationship, um, like a really bad relationship. It was the final straw for me. It was the final straw. And so I made the conscious decision to truly be intentional at the age of 30. You know how everyone's like, oh, 30 is the new 20. So I'm walking around, you know, I am suffering in silence in these relationships. And, you know, it was really bad. And so I got to the point where I'm like, am I going to continue to live life like this? Or do I really want more for myself? Like, I just don't feel good. Um, And it just really felt heavy carrying the baggage from relationship to relationship and you're not, not really addressing what was going on. And so I said, you know what, I'm giving myself to everyone else, the, the self that I barely don't have the capacity to give. But at the end of the day, what happens to me? You know, what legacy will I leave? What will that look like? And so after that last relationship, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be with anybody else. I really need to work on me. I really need to figure out why I'm accepting this shame and guilt for something that I did not cause. I need to figure out why I still harbor unforgiveness regarding my dad's death. I need to get to the root of why abandonment is really fueling my decisions in life. And so I told my best friend, you know, what was going on and she noticed things were different anyway with me, but she wanted to wait until I was open and honest and ready to share. And that's what I do appreciate. And so even though she knew about the sexual assault, she didn't know how much it still triggered me until I said, I'm ready for something new. I'm just ready to do life differently. And so I got intentional about doing the inner work. And I said, okay, Tasha, you need to really do some self-examination. Like what is going on? Um, Start with the things that really hurt you. And the only way that you can actually start healing is if you discuss them, because if you keep burying them, nothing's going to change. And so that's what I had to do. I had to really get back to 
who was I before my father passed away? Who was I before the sexual assault? And remember that young girl that I neglected. Yeah, that's so good. I think sometimes it's even harder because we go through certain things. And when we are defined by it, it, if you forget what it feels like to not be defined by something, I think it almost ends up, we almost struggle even more unpacking certain things and letting certain things go because for as much as it hurts and for as much as we want it to be different, we also don't necessarily know anymore what it feels like to not be that. And then on top of that, it's like, it's almost like the, the discomfort that we're in and the pain that we're in, it's not comfortable, but it's familiar and having to unpack it all means, yeah, we might feel lighter, but we still might not recognize who's looking back at us in the mirror. And that can be really freaking scary too, because we're like, all right, it's lighter, but who the hell am I? So I think that was, um, that that's also something just to remind listeners of too, is you have permission to start unpacking what you're carrying around and it doesn't have to be heavy and that doesn't take away everything you went through and it doesn't invalidate your feelings. It just means that you are allowed to not carry such a heavy load anymore and that's okay. So kudos to you, especially at such a young age, because I feel like there's people that go through, unfortunately, most of their lives without being willing to start unpacking things that they've been through. And I mean, quite frankly, just trauma. So good for you for, I mean, at such a young age, especially being like, you know what, this is, I'm worth it. And it's, it's okay to start healing from everything. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's interesting too, because we won't demand respect from others if we can't accept respect from ourselves. So what advice can you share on assessing your personal self-worth or really kind of more importantly, like where you stand on viewing yourself, where you can honestly see there may be holes that need healing, especially because you said, you know, you took down all the mirrors and you were like, I I don't recognize myself. So if someone's listening and they're maybe not quite sure or not really seeing how negatively they're viewing themselves and how they're personally internalizing everything, how can they begin to kind of see where the holes are to start letting, letting some light in? Yeah. So, uh, for me, um, the holes that I recognize, um, it's when I started to conform, like I felt like I had to fit the mold of someone else or the spaces that I was operating in, or I felt like I had to change who I was for acceptance. And so, When you begin to look for external validation, that's when you know you have some holes. That's when you know, okay, why do I feel like I need to minimize my worth and my value or even alter who I am for acceptance? And so um, for me, I was like, why am I being such a people pleaser, right? And I'm like, why am I overextending myself to feel validated? And when you start realizing that you're doing things outside of what you typically would do, that's when you're like, okay, something is really going on and I need to, you know, take a step back and really do this self-examination, like what is going on? And so uh, for me, you know, even being intentional with sitting there in, in stillness is what I like to call it. Cause you know, 
the world will make you feel like you have to always be busy. You always have to be on the go. But having those quiet moments are very important because I feel like when you are sitting still, that's where you hear the most. And you're looking at things or you're thinking about things that you try to put on a shelf and you're like, okay, what's really going on? And so for me, it was a reminder of the things that I actually did enjoy about myself, like the things that uh, I once done. Like, so for me, like a lot of people know me as messenger of hope. And that was something I've always been as a young girl, but I never really understood the value of it until I became an adult or until I overcame some things. And what that just really means is that I give people an opportunity to understand that they're greater beyond their circumstances. I empower people to say, hey, this may have happened to you, but it's not who you are. I'm the one who's bringing the optimism that's like, you know what? Okay, yeah, this sucks. Yeah, we can talk about how you feel about this in the moment, but what are we going to do next after that, you know? And so knowing that I was always that glue and then I kind of like let it go because of what I was dealing with. And then now I'm like, okay, this is why I made that courageous choice of unpacking what was going on because it was in me all along, but I just lost sight of it. And so it's very important to understand that the very things that you critique yourself about are really things that are powerful about who you are, your voice, and what you offer to the world. And I think it's so important that we need to flex the muscle of encouraging ourselves because it's so easy to tear ourselves down, especially in a society that encourages us to do that. And so I just say, you know, step out there, step outside of your comfort zone, step outside of yourself and say, you know what, this is who I really am and be okay with that. Um, you're not supposed to look like anyone else. You're not supposed to sound like anyone else. That's what makes you unique. And so for me, it was the things that I used to run from are the things that I actually embrace now. Oh, so, so, so good. What would you go back and tell your younger self, younger Tasha before anything happened? Like, would you, would you want to give her the heads up and like, tell her what's coming? Or is there anything that you would go back and be like, Hey, FYI, (laughs) yourself. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, so if I were to give myself an FYI, it would definitely be like, um, Tasha, you may encounter some challenges that will make you feel uncomfortable, but always remember who you are. At the end of the day, who you are, stand firm in that and believe in that. Um, Because honestly, if I were to give myself a heads up of exactly what was going on, I probably would not have found the value of my voice Um, because it really taught me to be the leader that I've always been. It really taught me to be that lighthouse for other people because when I was younger, I was very quiet. I was very reserved. I didn't really say much. Like, Even if I felt something or um, I didn't like what was going on, I wouldn't speak up. But because of these experiences, it has really taught me that it's okay to be courageous. It's okay to be that person that demands the respect that's necessary. Yeah, that's so good. I know you also talk a lot about fearlessness, and I would love to hear what that actually means to you, because I feel like everybody defines fearless totally differently 
And I don't think anymore it has come to come to be living without fear. Totally. Like, I think it's evolved in such a beautiful way and how, how we view it and how we take it into everyday life. So as you move forward with the rest of your life and help so many other women do the same, Mm -hmm. what does that look like for you? Yeah. So fearlessness for me really looks like transforming pain into power. And what that means is that not diminishing my worth, not minimizing my voice, but ultimately being authentically me, regardless of what's going on. And so when you are operating in fearlessness, you're operating in a space to say, this is who I am. Take me as I am because I love who I am. And it's also making sure that you're disconnecting yourself from those who don't appreciate or support who you are. And so it's just reinforcing and reestablishing those healthy boundaries, those healthy relationships, and doing things that you've always desired to do on your timeline and on your agenda. Yeah, I love that. When in think you mentioned boundaries earlier too, and how labels impacted you for so long, how, when you were then, when you made the decision to open up to your best friend and kind of start opening up about what had happened to you, did you do anything differently or think differently or say anything specific to kind of help not have labels put on you? Or did you just not care if labels were put on you because you were defining yourself differently at that point? Like what was kind of your thought process moving forward from that? Because obviously that had been such an impactful thing. I mean, you went to intentionally went to college elsewhere so that you could not be the girl with the label. So then how, how did you think of that differently than moving forward? with it. Yeah. So moving forward, I think for me, because I had been so uh, conditioned or accustomed to labels that others have placed on me, I didn't even care anymore. I was just like, you know what, this is my story. And the only way that people will be able to hear it is if I share it. And, you know, I just got tired of other people feeling like they could express how I feel or, you know, discuss what happened to me. And I'm like, no, I'm the best person that can tell you. And so at that point, I got tired of other people living in my head rent free. And so I'm like, I'm going to share my story. And what you think is what you think. That's your level of perception. But I know who I am deep down inside. And I know that with me telling my story, it's becoming more freeing instead of me hiding behind the labels that I've gave other people permission to give me. Yes, I just got goosebumps. That's so good. You just took control of your own narrative and said the fluid everybody everybody (laughs) else. It's so, it's so hard though. I think that's the thing for it's, it's, it can be difficult before you take that first step of taking it back because there are so many questions that can run through your head or so many doubts or what ifs. And I think it's just really encouraging and empowering to hear you share your story with that, because it's like that gentle reminder that you, you take the step and it's worth it because it will come into place. And it, even if you might not feel as empowered and you don't have all of the strength when, when you make the decision, it comes to you as you continue to make that decision over and over again, that this is who I am. This is who I am. And this is what I stand for. And this is what I accept. And this is what I don't. And it's like, every time you make that decision inside, it's like a little, it's like a little boost of like, yep, 
yep, yep. And like everything else kind of starts to diminish around you as you kind of are boosting yourself up instead. And I feel like that's just a a really, I'm a visual person. So I'm like, I've got a really good visual in my head of what that looks like for everyone, because it's not, it's not something that I feel like you need to have figured all, all out ahead of time, because I think a lot of times you just, you won't. So it's, you kind of just have to be willing and courageous to take that first step and trust that you will figure it out along the way. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things, um, that I always ask myself, because even now, um, you know, when I'm sharing my story or, you know, being vulnerable and opening up myself more to people, I'm like asking myself two questions. Is it worth the risk? And what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, honestly, those are two great questions to ask in so many situations in life. (laughs) So yes. (laughs) I just couldn't agree more. I mean, like underline, mentally highlight, do whatever you got to do because it's just not worth living in fear when the opposite can be so much more rewarding and fulfilling, not to mention helpful for everyone around you too. So I love that. Well, thank you so much, Tasha, for sharing your story and so much encouragement with, with everyone. Um, I want to get things wrapped up by asking you something I ask every guest on thrive, which is what does thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Oh, I love it. Um, (laughs) for me, thriving is, uh, no longer operating in survival mode, understanding Mm -hmm. that I am a warrior and also recognizing that I can gracefully flourish in whatever capacity I'm in. I love that gracefully flourish. Ooh, that is awesome. Tell everybody where they can find you online to connect with you more. And also tell us about your book. Cause I know you have a book that came out too, which is incredible. Yeah, so um, my website is always a go-to, www.lifeistashaw.com. And then I'm also on Instagram. I use that way more than Facebook. Um, You can follow me there, lifeistashaw underscore. Um, You'll also get, you know, a lot of things that I am a part of, you know, upcoming events, things like that, new products. But then most importantly, a sneak preview of my personal life. I think sometimes when you wear many hats, people forget that you're human too. So um, (laughs) that's just a way for me to connect with people on a personal level. Um, Yeah, so my book, I had published my fourth book. Um, (laughs) I can't believe it. I'm like, did I really just do this? So um, it's called (laughs) Shatterproof Refocusing the Lens. And honestly, it really talks about um, reshaping the narrative of status when it comes to relationships. And so um, I talk about how we can be empowered in whatever status you're in, whether you're single, um, engaged, married, whatever. And so for me, it really talks about making the choice to be single and not allowing something to happen to impact my relationship status. But most importantly, it talks about introspection and really understanding who you are, what you want, what you anticipate after you partner with someone with a purpose. And so I think sometimes people just kind of, you know, grow up 
oh, this is the narrative. You're single. Okay, you be with someone and then you get married, but no one really talks about the process in between. And so um, I really unpack a lot of layers in that book um, to really encourage you um, the importance of marriage and what that actually looks like and what you can do for the introspection piece to prepare yourself for that. Oh, you are honestly one of the most introspective people, which I think is just so admirable because it's, oh, I wish, I wish more people like looking around in the world had the ability to look inside themselves the way that you encourage people to, because it just does so much good. So everyone go check out Tasha's book. We'll include it in the show notes below. And thank you so much again for hanging out with us on Thrive. Thank you so much. This is great. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.